If history has taught us anything, turning a Saturday morning cartoon into a live action movie always goes over well. Isn't that right, Jim? No. No, wait. How about you, Rocky and Bullwinkle? Fat Albert? Flintstones? Okay, maybe not. But we're here today to prove to you that 2011's The Smurfs is not that bad. Welcome, welcome, welcome to this edition of It's Not That Bad, the podcast that looks for A grades in B movies. So happy to be back for you all to listen to us talk good things about poorly rated flicks. Can't say bad flicks, poorly rated flicks. And joining me once again, my wife Carrie is back. Carrie, welcome back to the show. How you doing? I am simply smurfing. Jay, I am so happy already. to be back. La, 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 la. <laughs> oh, that's going to get stuck in your head for the next hour or so. Oh, Guaranteed. yeah. Also, I'm going to be randomly smurfing my smurfs all the way through. It's, it's, <laughs> you know. It, it works for anything and everything. So That is because we are talking 2011's The Smurfs live action movie. Now, I, I have to ask you. When we talked about doing the Smurfs, just how high off the floor did you jump when you realized we were talking this movie? Okay, first thing, my six-year-old heart goes boom right now. I grew up with the Smurfs. I loved them. Every Saturday morning, had my Smurf jammies on, my hat, I had the hat, in my Smurf sleeping bag, watching Saturday morning cartoons and eating my Smurf cereal. I don't think that was a real thing. That could possibly be fake news, but (laughs) I loved... Or or a fever dream. (laughs) I loved the Smurfs. Like, I still love the Smurfs. Do I not? I have in my collection... To this day, yes. (laughs) I still have my stuffed Smurfs. So... Um, I know she didn't just swear. She just said stuffed Smurfs. <laughs> stuffed Smurfs. So Now, if she says stuffed up your Smurf hole, that's a different story. <laughs> so how is it that we are here talking about a, a Smurfs property? I don't know, but um, I, I am here to defend. I will fight for the honor of the three apples high. I am for the little blue guys and Smurfette too. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's on. Bring we, it, Gargamel. We are going to kick this one right in the Smurf. But before we do, it's time to take 2011's The Smurfs and trailerize it. A maniacal villain bent on using magic to facilitate the genocidal end of an endangered species. A proud, undersized community who only want harmony and song, sent to the one place more horrific than their wildest imagination, Manhattan. Watch as these warring mythical creatures take their endless battle to the streets of New York, singing their war song as they smurf the ever-loving smurf out of their eternal nemesis in a movie that makes you wish you'd never see the color blue ever again, The Smurfs. Ready, PG. 
Oh my God, I love that. (laughs) I love that so much. (laughs) There is so much right and so much wrong in all of that. (laughs) What you missed in that is that they're three apples high and stuck in the big apple. Oh, missed opportunity. Missed opportunity. I I have failed this podcast already. I'm disappointed. I'm out. How dare. (laughs) 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 All right, so let's get into a breakdown just of who's in this movie. It stars Hank Azaria as Gargamel, NPH himself, Neil Patrick Harris, Jama Mays, Sophia Vergara, and I have to point this out. The voice of Saturday morning cartoon Megatron himself, Frank Welker, as Azrael. Oh my God, my girl, Katy Perry. <laughs> That's right, I was about Get to say. Get to it. <laughs> the, Smur- the Smurf voices in this. Jonathan Winters, Alan Cumming, Katy Perry, Fred Armisen, George Lopez, Anton Yelchin, Keenan Thompson, Jeff Foxworthy, John Oliver, Wolfgang Puck, and freaking Pee Wee Herman himself, Paul Rubens, are all Smurf voices in this. However, we have to bring this up because every time we talk about one of these movies, we talk about who it almost starred. And we're going to start with the character of Grace because this almost starred Allison Hannigan as in the place of Jemma Mays. And I'm, I'm going to say something completely obvious, and I'm sure the two of them get this a lot. They kind of look alike anyway, so it would have made sense, the fact that, you know, they couldn't get Allison Hennigan, you get Jayma Mays. But I don't see, you know, if the, if either is really an upgrade over the other. They're both really good actresses. I'm going to disagree with you, but uh, we'll get there. <laughs> we'll get there. We will get there. Um, the role of Gargamel. There's a list of actors who were being considered for the role of Gargamel. I'm going to go through this list here. Wallace Shawn, John Lithgow. Christopher Lloyd, Nathaniel Parker, Robin Williams, Robert Downey Jr., freaking Deadpool, Ryan Reynolds, James Garner, Jim Carrey, Armand Asante, and Michael Palin. It is, I mean, there's a few in there where I actually could see them pulling off Gargamel, like John Lithgow, I think would actually make a decent Gargamel. But some of these are just like, can, like do we need a Deadpool Gargamel? Okay, it's so funny. That you said that because as you were going through the list, my vision in my head kept changing to suit each one of the actors and how <laughs> how they would have portrayed Gargamel. And I think they they made a good choice. I mean, there's a few that a I few would be in curious there. to I mean, see. I think I think John Lithgow would be a very understated but still very good uh, actor in that. Wallace Shawn is the one that really stands out for me. And if you don't know who Wallace Shawn is, uh, go movie educate yourself and watch The Princess Bride. And the minute you hear the word inconceivable, (laughs) now picture that guy as Gargamel. I'm actually, I would love to have seen that. I think that would have been a a phenomenal casting choice. That would be like throwing Gilbert Godfrey into the role. (laughs) Oh, I couldn't get past the The only thing we want Gilbert Godfrey to do is the audiobook version of Fifty Shades of of Grey. That's it. (laughs) That is all. Uh, And I definitely don't want Gilbert Godfrey to Scargamel. That that would not know and know. But some of the other voices that were considered, uh, and at one point cast, but then dropped out uh, for this, Quentin Tarantino. Oh. As the voice of Brainy Smurf, and I kind of don't hate that one. I would in all loved honesty. 
Oh my gosh. If, if, you know, if they're going to do a remake ever, please QT, make it happen. Um, Kevin James was uh, apparently considered for the role of hefty Smurf. And then some other voices that were considered uh, Ben Stiller, Lucy Liu, Ben Affleck, Sally Field, Julius Sweeney, and Marissa Tomei. And you know what? If they couldn't get Quentin Tarantino to be Brainy Smurf, of course, you know, they, they had Fred Armisen in there. I actually wouldn't have minded Julius Sweeney as the voice of Brainy Smurf. I thought that I think that would be a, a, a decent matchup on that one, I, and I can see you nope. just shaking your head. Nope. Well, nope. I mean, well, nope. I, I missed the Apple reference in New York, so clearly I am completely wrong. Anyways, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it does have a phenomenal voice cast already, but there there are some decent names here, uh, some of which I would actually be really really curious uh, to see. Unfortunately, the critics did not like this, so. According to Rotten Tomatoes, uh, this sits at a 21% tomato meter and an audience score of 43. But if you look over at Metacritic, it has a 30% Metacritic score with a 4.4 audience score. And that's that their audience score is at a 10. So it kind of lines up. So the, I guess the big question is, why did this get such a low rating? It's it's it baffles me because really it's not that bad a movie and when we get to the actual breakdown of it it's we're, it'll be a bit more obvious why it actually isn't but I I wonder if it's one of those things where just the idea of taking such a beloved property and putting it into a live action setting kind of took some you know something away from it but to the same token as well this is an eighties Saturday morning cartoon and it came out in twenty eleven so I wonder if the time apart kind of didn't didn't help it i i don't know because i remember when it came out and like i said my six-year-old heart was going boom because i'm like this movie means so much it brings me back to my childhood it's something i can enjoy with our kids like (laughs) how how are there not more people who have that, who crave that nostalgia. It brings you back to your childhood, but not back to Canada's Wonderland. Oh, oh I went there. I yeah. went. Okay, you uh, have to tell the story now. Okay, so no, the Smurfs are not the only ones who are three apples high. <laughs> um, my parents brought me to Canada's Wonderland, and all I wanted to do was ride the Smurf roller coaster. And I was uh, too short. I was too short to ride the ride. Uh, where's my sad trombone sound? I uh, know. <laughs> <laughs> For the record, by the way, Candace Wonderland, if you ever bring back the Smurf roller coaster, my wife will happily line up and accept your forgiveness and let her ride it this time. <laughs> but, I mean, the critics aside, this movie did actually get some accolades. I want to go through the list here. So, uh, it was nominated for Next Must See Movie at the New Now Next Awards. Uh, it was nominated for Favorite Animated Movie Voice for Katy Perry at the 38th People's Choice Awards. And then at the 2012 Kids' Choice Awards, it was nominated for Favorite Movie. Uh, Sofia Vergara was nominated for Favorite Movie Actress. And Katy Perry won for Favorite Voice in an animated film. So clearly, um, they nailed their Smurfette. They, they got that, you know, well done and clearly the fans of the movie and you know smurf fans are like you know i mean it's a kids movie 
right? It's a kids movie, so it actually did well at Kids Choice Awards and stuff like that. So that makes sense. And it didn't fare too badly at the box office either. So the Smurfs had an estimated budget of $110 million at a worldwide gross of $563 million. Now, one of the things I found interesting is that if you remember uh, a while back, Sony Pictures was hacked. They had their information hacked, and part of that hack, it was revealed that this movie actually profited $83 million. So it actually did fairly well at the box office. Not well enough, though, to hit number one. It did not hit number one. The highest it ranked was number two. The weekend it came out, the July 29th, 2011 weekend, the Smurfs debuted at number two. The number one movie, and it was close. It was like less than a million dollar difference. The number one movie that week was Cowboys and Aliens. Cowboys and freaking Aliens beat out the Smurfs. But if you take a look at what was in theaters at that time, you know, you had those two movies, you know, one and two. You had Captain America, the first Avenger at number three in in its second week. In its third week, you had Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows part two. Further down, you had Crazy Stupid Love, Friends with Benefits. You also had a Transformers Dark of the Moon in there. So, and Cars 2 was still sitting at number 10 uh, in like fifth or sixth week of, of release. Stayed at number two for two weeks. Cowboys and Aliens dropped down. Number one the following week was Rise of the Planet of the Apes. So clearly, the box office proved that the Smurfs wasn't that bad a movie. The Kids' Choice Awards proved that it's not that bad a movie. What is up the critics' butt? Or, sorry, what is up the critics' smurf with this movie? What the smurf? Um, you know, it's interesting because I I, I can only just, I, I feel sad. I feel sadness for the critics. Mm-hmm. Because if the smurfs wasn't a part of their childhood, then I don't know. I mean, maybe it's an age gap. Like, it would be interesting to take a poll of, like, the ages. Of the ages? And that would be curious, because you have to think that critics of, mm, how do I I put this gently, our vintage, probably went into that movie and got what they they wanted out of a Smurf movie. But then again, some critics just go in just just to Smurf all over the damn film, right? And, yeah, yeah, this is the way I'm going to swear today, (laughs) right? You know, they go in with it with almost a jaded thing. And, you know, some critics probably just go in there, you know, with a thesaurus and and a smurf up their butt, try to, you know, in a way to, how can I poo-poo this movie? But, but let's let's talk to the fans here. And by, by the fan, I mean you. Uh, but let's do the breakdown here. And t- let's talk about some of the acting. I want to start with the human actors. Let's start with Gargamel. Hank Azaria. How was there, how was Gargamel for you? Oh my God, he was brilliant. Hank Azaria, I I honestly, growing up, Gargamel frightened me. He he was as real to me as he was to the Smurfs, and <laughs> what I loved about Hank Azaria is that his silliness, his lighthearted approach at Gargamel um, really, you know, 
calmed my 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 fears it was like no 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 (laughs) he's having fun with this um but i think the original cartoon version was a lot darker i mean he was a scary bloke like he wasn't well if if there was no playing with him if you watch some of those like you know uh, you know obviously us being in canada we got more probably more sterilized version but there there are some darker episodes of the smurfs you know and if your first thought of the smurfs is running around with smurfs butting each other in the butt going gnap right like you're not getting gnap in in these movies but yes i i completely agree you know hank azaria really brought the kids fun back into it and you know right off the bat i freaking love hank azaria and i'm not even just talking about his his work with the simpsons you, you want to really appreciate what Hank Azaria brings to a role. You go watch America's Sweethearts because of the, 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 the four main actors in that, like himself, uh, was John Cusack, um, uh, it was Julia Robinson. Like, America's Sweethearts is a really good movie, but Hank Azaria just l- stole the show. Catherine Zeta-Jones, that's who the other actress was, just stole the show with just being so over-the-top and so fun. But he really did, like disappear in the role of Gargamel. And I think that's probably the best thing about Hank Azaria in this and that. If you take a look at the list of actors they were considering to play Gargamel, I don't know if they would have gotten away with it because it would have been too... Like, love Robin Williams and everything he did, but he would just be Robin Williams in a giant black muumuu and a balding skull cap walking around New York. Okay, fun fact. Hank actually shaved his head Really? And, yeah, and he would go and do voice work for the <laughs> Simpsons um, season with literally with the top of his his head shaved. That that is That's hardcore. hardcore. It's that, hardcore. That is Karen Gillan level, uh, you know. And and what was it Demi Moore, GIJ? That that is that is some. You know that that's putting your head into it right there. <laughs> but he did. He lost himself into it. He didn't. He looked like the cartoon. And, oh. and that is, I mean, you know, to, to the fact that he shaved his head, to the prosthetics as far as the nose goes, to the, the costume. Like, they didn't shy away from the fact of Gargamel is exactly what you want a Gargamel. If you watch the cartoon, he's your Gargamel. Do you know what I loved about it, though, was the scene uh, somewhere around the end where the um, the the fragrance designer there, Anjali, or... Angelou. 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 Um, I loved where she was quite taken with Gargamel <laughs> in spite of his You're a genius. menacing yes, I look. Know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, the fact that he... It was a great he, little side plot, yeah. Yes, he was supposed to be a menacing character. He is out to get the Smurf population, and yet <laughs> he's, <laughs> he's just so silly and so fun. And I really credit... Hank Azaria for making it so fun to watch. That's what I, th- I think. If the goal was to make a fun, rompy kids movie, you couldn't have done better. Yeah, would I have liked to have seen Wallace Shawn as Gargamel? Yeah, because that you know, he has the voice, he has the the posture. He was already bald up top, right? So I mean, like that would have been interesting. John Lithgow, I think, could have done it. None of those other actors listed, I think, would have come close to. Just the, the the chameleon-like performance that Hank Azaria uh, put forth in this. I could not even imagine. Like like you said, I was picturing each one of the actors, but um, Robert Downey Jr. 
Really? Right? RDJ? (laughs) How? Like, I, I just... I could not picture Iron Man <laughs> in the 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 cape, in the cloak, and and uh, yeah, um, no, with the balding head and and the big no. nose, and and that's the thing. I think RDJ and Ryan Reynolds as well. Um, they would have been a. I think too young. He would have had fun with it though. Oh, I don't doubt that they wouldn't have There's been funny Deadpool in it. Deadpool can't do. But uh, again, I think you needed a more chameleon-like appearance, and rather than just have like RDJ and a Moomoo walking around Manhattan, like it just <laughs> no, just no. You, you got you got. The, I think they got the perfect Gargamel. You know what other baddie I loved? Who? I love the cat. Asriel. Asriel. Oh Asriel. <laughs> are, are you dead are you yet? Dead? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. They like they played it, they they scripted it, they um I I, I don't know, the it was a puppet, right? Like the puppetry. Well, I think there was more uh, a combination of CGI and I don't know if you can mocap a cat, but you know, clearly they did. And, that, and we'll get to the CGI in a bit, but Asriel really came across... Part of the fun of that cartoon was the fact uh, of the, of you know, the, the, the banter, you know, albeit one-sided, although it was kind of two-sided, even in the cartoon. Oh, yeah, even in the cartoon, the yeah. cat had a personality for sure. And that personality came across in this. Like, again, if you're a Smurfs fan, you're getting exactly what you grew up with. I actually think that Azrael was the evil one of the two. He was the evil genius. Well, cats are evil to begin with. <laughs> like, they will straight up stone cold kill you. <laughs> In your if, sleep. <laughs> if, you, if you look at them funny. And even if you're not looking at them funny, they'll look at you and go, are you looking at me funny? And then they'll think about killing you. That That is the cat's mental state at that point. And yes, I, I could easily see Azrael being the, you know. And that, I think that's why Azrael is just so ticked off with Gargamel. Right, because clearly Azriel is just sitting there going, oh, "I'm surrounded by morons. I am surrounded by mo- one <laughs> gigantic balding mumu wearing moron, and yet somehow he's the one calling the shot." If Azriel was in charge, the Smurfs would lay waste. Like they would, they would just be dead. That'd be it. They'd be cat toys. Oh, they would. They would. I, I, I would totally. Actually, now you come to think of it, someone now has to make that fan animation of Azriel winning <laughs> and just batting around the Smurfs' as cat toys. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house, and my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles, plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind and these Raycons are fantastic. 
Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So, what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Hey folks, Stefan Shirazi and Renee Richardson here from the Metallica Report. And we are proud members of the Pantheon podcast family, where the best of music and podcasts unite. We've got something pretty cool for you. We're giving away an exclusive Metallica merch package worth over $250. That's a whole lot of scary guys, skulls, M72, and other sought-after Metallica swag. And we've made it easy for you to win. Follow and share the Metallica Report, and you're in the game. Go to pantheonpodcast.com slash Metallica, enter your email, and hit that button to be entered to win. And just like that, you're eligible for our monthly exclusive Metallica merch package. And guess what, rockers? You can enter every month. So just do it. And while we love our global brothers and sisters, the lawyers won't let us ship outside the U.S. Um, let's talk NPH here. Neil Patrick Harris. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> now, th- this is this one was interesting to me. Okay, because I, I want to put this into perspective here because this movie came out in 2011. So we are smack dab in the middle of How I Met Your Mother's Run, but also released in 2011 was a very Harold and Kumar 3D Christmas. So you have um, on one hand, right, Barney Stinson and NPH as himself in his very Harold and Kumar NPH you know, definition. stole my car. <laughs> but then, <laughs> but then here you have NPH um, in a very likable role, right? He's you know he's a good husband and a father to be, and he's doing his best to kind of make you know the world for him and his and, and, and Grace that much better. And I think. I think NPH comes across better in hindsight watching the movie, like, you know, 10, 11 years later, as opposed to at that time when he's very much in that Barney Stinson, Harold and Kumar-esque kind of roles. Even though Barney Stinson, at the heart of Barney Stinson, there, there, there's a very lovable guy in there that just kind of masquerades or uses that persona to kind of hide a lot of insecurities. And now I'm delving into how i met your mother but that's another episode um but i think in hindsight nph is a lot is a lot of fun in this an interesting choice though at the time to me i I don't know how about you okay so nph to me will always be dooger doogie hauser md okay (laughs) doogie hauser md um so for me seeing Neil Patrick Harris as Barney Stinson <laughs> and stealing a car very drunk in in Harold and Kumar. Um, you know what? There is nothing that Neil Patrick Harris can't do. Right. You know, he can do the family friendly movies. Um, what was it? 8-Bit Christmas? 8-Bit Christmas. Which was another one. was an absolute gem of a film. Brilliant. Like, he is incredibly talented versatile he can make you laugh and he can also make you cry like you know it's it's funny you bring up doogie hauser because 
this character for him in the Smurfs, Patrick, feels like a, almost a, a, a an almost in heart continuation of the Doogie Howser character. Like I could see Patrick being what Doogie Howser grew up to be. Barney Stinson, on the other hand, would be what his role in Starship Troopers group to be. Oh, of course, Starship right. Troopers being like discount Nazi Gestapo guy. Um, like it, Neil Patrick Harris is a very, very talented actor and magician, but you know. And theater too. Yeah, he oh, does musical theater. Like he can sing like, like really well. Can, can, can we just say, Neil Patrick Harris, go smurf yourself. You are far too talented. <laughs> <laughs> no, my vote for Neil Patrick Harris. He's a god. Yeah, but <laughs> The, the the thing that I think worked well, too, was the play against Jima Mays in this as well. Like, they worked really well as a couple, as a couple and I'm really glad that they didn't get Allison Hannigan. And that's nothing against Allison Hannigan. I think she's great. However, because you're smack dab in the middle of How I Met Your Mother, I think the, the Barney Stinson comparisons would be even more so if it was Allison Hannigan, because it's Jayma Mays, it kind of takes it away from that. So I think casting Jayma Mays is the better choice in this case. That, and she's adorable. Mm-hmm. I think that, no disrespect to Allison Hannigan, because I really enjoyed her in um, that squirrel movie. Um, oh, uh, Flora and Ulysses. Yes. Okay. So I do think that she can play well with you know animated with, with, creatures with, with a caring mom yeah absolutely yeah um however I, I just think that there was something so incredibly pure mm-hmm. about about the grace character and she you know what she was so open she was she would be such a great mom she was such a great mom character because she's so welcoming of these little blue creatures that mm-hmm. you know when when they started googling Smurfs, right, and like all these websites came up, um, you know, like she was she was so welcoming. Whereas Patrick was uh, very um, more skeptical and mm-hmm. not as open to. He was just he was so work focused that um, and deadline driven. And yes, you had good points that it was you know to support mm-hmm. his his young family. Um, but I mean, like, even even the scene, it really kind of irked me that um, his his wife Grace was going for an ultrasound and he had to miss it right for work in order to because in his in his mind, project. you know, if he does all this, then he can provide everything for his wife. But really, what his wife needs is him. Yeah. Right. He needs to work on that work life balance. But exactly. That aside, like I said. The the contrast, though, in characterization, the openness that Jenna Mays had for these Smurfs mm-hmm. and, again, suspension of, of belief, right? Like, <laughs> I'm sorry, but if I found a little blue creature in our toilet, I might not be so welcoming <laughs> um as much I, as i love smurfs i might not be so welcoming which is kind of funny because if i found a little blue something in our toilet like a little blue creature i would question what we had for dinner and i would then be calling 911 not for the flush cre- <laughs> not for the blue creature who were about to flush but for myself because i'd be curious about you know 
what the hell just came out of my intestine. But I think that you're right about Jayma Mace in that um, she is so sweet in this. And there was an opportunity for them, like when they did the whole, oh, by the way, um, we're going to spoil the Smurf out of this movie. So if, you, if you've had 11 years to watch it, go Smurf yourself. Um, when they do the whole storm in the castle at the end of the movie thing, there was an opportunity for them to have her kind of join in and go like full on raging commando as, as they try to storm the castle. They didn't, that's not her character. That's not what, what, that's not what grace would do. And I'm glad there's a lot of restraint in this movie that I'm going to talk about a little bit later. Um, but I think that's one of the bigger ones too, is to not, not have grace do something that wouldn't, that grace wouldn't do. You know, Patrick, yes, Patrick is there to, to help Papa and, and get the Smurfs back to, back to their world and all that. And Grace is doing her supportive thing, but not, you know, strapping on a bunch of Nerf guns or whatever and, and, and helping storm the castle that I think plays in her favor. She, she really was just like the most ultra positive character in this entire movie. And that's in a movie with a bunch of singing blue creatures. <laughs> I loved the dynamic, too, between her and Smurfette. That scene with, oh, you, wear, you wore something different yesterday. You get a new <laughs> outfit every day. <laughs> it was like, oh, my God, that's perfect. And, and there, there's a lot of script notes in there. And we'll talk about script a little bit later. But, yes, absolutely, the 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 BFFing of, of Grace and Smurfette was... Was was definitely a because think about think about Smurfette's role, right? Obviously, before we get to the sequels here, but think about Smurfette, right? The fact that you know her character in itself is a trope because then it's like the one girl in a group of all guys, right? Then you again, like if this if this was the Smurf Avengers, she would be the Black Widow. <laughs> okay, can I just say though, I love about the Smurfs that their names describe their personalities Mm -hmm. like and but the fact that they actually point that out like (laughs) it's it's like yes finally someone someone literally just pointed at the obvious and say hey look that's obvious (laughs) but but it's true um sophia vergara as uh as the head of angelou Mm. how was she to you i because i i have my thoughts but i'd love to hear what you thought of her she was scary (laughs) are you kidding me i would probably work around the clock if I worked for her too like um no you know what I thought she was really really great um that scene where um um Gargamel I guess had because he was a magician so he worked his magic (laughs) he worked his magic on uh on her mom uh with that youth serum and then she was just quite smitten with Gargamel in spite of his frightening looks. Quite quite smitten with his potential, yes. (laughs) Um, Yes, I think, um, I mean, she was very good in the character, in the role. Um, Yeah, I personally wouldn't want to work for her, though. (laughs) (laughs) One characterization, one comparison came to mind as we were watching this, and it's Meryl Streep. Uh, of course, her role in The Devil Wears Prada, yes. again, being another New York-based fashion icon, or running, or running her own fashion company, Meryl Streep in Devil Wears Prada, like there is strict taskmaster kind of thing. I think Sofia Vergara, because Devil Wears Prada came out in 2006, so this, this movie, of course, is five years after the fact. But I think Sof- uh, Sofia Vergara, it's almost like she took 
you know, the taskmastering of Meryl Streep's Devil Wears Prada character, but overtopped it, over the topped it so much to make it very, like, animatedly kid-friendly. Because, you know, yes, as as a character, I, I would not want to work for her by any stretch of the imagination. But but in that characterization, it's not, you know, it, it's not like she's, you know, cracking a whip in it. But it's it's through such over-the-topness that it just adds to the, the kid-friendly comedy. Absolutely agreed. And, you know, there, there were no parts of this movie. Actually, no, I, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to backpedal on that. There was one part that I thought was a little dark to be in a family movie. And I think that was, um, following the scene where, um, it like NPH's character, Patrick just seems to choose his job, mm-hmm. you know? And it was just kind of like almost heart wrenching. Was that was that the part where he, where he's in like the, the the future baby room and you know he just I didn't want this. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I you thought know. they went a little far with that. But but I think for a family movie. But I think it was a moment though that needed to happen because yeah. because in NPH's journey, right, in Patrick's journey, he has to get to a point where he has to stop and realize that no, it's not about the work. Right, and in that in that moment, he sees that all that drive and all that time that he spent in doing that was not just affecting himself; it was affecting those around him. That moment needed to happen so he could have his redemption, um, his redemption arc at the end. He needed to hit that rock bottom where he saw, you know, the effects of you know too much work and not enough you know home time. Mm. You know, that's, I think the, it, it was still hard to watch. It, it was hard to watch, but you know, you hard, played it well, hard enough to watch in, in a kid's movie. Right. Um, I'm sure it could have been a lot darker, but like, I think, no. they kept it, I think they kept it at an appropriate enough level that it worked in a character sense in, in the entire arc of it. But a live action Smurf movie should never bring tears to my eyes. Okay. Well, just cause you cried doesn't mean it was, you know, completely heartbreaking. <laughs> you were still just upset about the Smurf roller coaster. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't ride the coaster. <laughs> I, I am curious. Is there, is there anyone else before we get to the actual uh, Smurfs themselves? Is there anyone else as far as the live action side has gone? Because there's one person that kind of stood out for me and it was the crazy homeless guy that Gargamel kept on running into that was pushing around the, the shopping cart and, you know, saying like, obviously kind of matching Gargamel's crazy. The actor's name is Victor Pagan. And I'm hoping that I, I, uh, Oh no, but he was totally in tune with the Smurfs and what was happening. Well, exactly. He, he was, was so pivotal. Exactly. He was, he was more like, he seemed, you know, more sane than Gargamel was seeming at the time. So I looked up Victor Pagan's IMDb and his filmography. And if you want to talk about typecasting here, when we did the Airheads episode and we looked up Ernie Hudson and the number of times that he played a cop, right? Or someone in law enforcement. Victor Pagan in his IMDb filmography, I counted eight different movies or TV series where he either played a homeless man, bum, or vagrant. Like, ser- like he was in Jessica Jones. 
He was a professional. A, he was a professional professional panhandler. Wow, on screen, fascinating. Uh, and and that it's. I mean, I get that there are those kind of character actors, but it's it's. You know, we talked about Quentin Tarantino, right? And of course, we go back to him on Little Nicky and like his his street preacher in there, which was just so over the top. It was it was his Victor Bergon's moments in this were you know few and far between, but when they happened, it was it almost. It almost solidified Gargamel's, you know, fish out of water sense in New York. In that, yeah, the 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 homeless guy with the, you know, with the shopping cart seems more sane than you, Gargamel. This is what happens in New York. It it, it was a small little thing, but it worked really well, and Victor Pergon nailed it. I'm ashamed that I missed that because right? I mean, literally, it was. I mean, yes. His character was great. It was poignant to the role or the, the, the storyline, but I didn't. I completely missed that. The the only thing I, I respect. I, the only thing I'm really worried about bringing this up, though, is the fact that I have now mentioned Little Nicky, and I'm sure somewhere down the road we're going to be covering that film because because <laughs> that movie's horrible. It's so bad. I disagree. I right so <laughs> soon to be, soon on. It's not that bad. We'll be talking little Nikki. I'm sure coming up next. <laughs> so let's get to the Smurfs now. Um, and let's start with Papa, Jonathan Winters, his voice as Papa Smurf. A ironic, because aside from Frank Welker, Jonathan Winters is the only other person from the original '80s Smurfs cartoon to carry over to this movie. So him as Papa Smurf was, there was just something so Wilford Brimley-esque about his voice that just Mm -hmm. oozed, oozed, you know, fatherhood, grandfatherhood, however you want to put it, right? There's just something so comforting about his voice in this. A hundred percent. He was absolutely perfect. And um, I, I, I could not picture... Papa Smurf sounding any different. Mm-hmm. You almost—it's almost like you want to have that that tenor of voice. And I mean, like you know, when we weren't recording, now to our listeners, my wife is a huge Harry Potter fan, and of course, we talked about you know the first Dumbledore as opposed to the second Dumbledore after the first one had passed away, and that there was definitely a you know not a tenor change, but definitely like a like a a temperament change. To be fair, the books got darker. The storyline got darker. Dumbledore's mm-hmm. character became far more complex. There's a lot to it and a lot to unpack there. However, yes, I think there was there was a kindness mm-hmm. in and I, uh, Richard. What was I can't remember do you know his name. Okay, offhand, I don't know his name. Okay, but the in the first Dumbledore, and my apologies because he was he really was Dumbledore. I just have forgotten the actor's name, mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm actually ashamed of myself. You should be right ashamed. Now. Well, you know, I, I ten I, points from Gryffindor, <laughs> make it twenty. But, but you know what? But, I own that. But there are certain actors, like whether through voice or through on-screen presence, that the the you you almost want to accept as your own grandfather. Like again, Wilford Brimley was that kind. Wilford Brimley yeah. was like everyone's grandfather when he was in Cocoon. I think where I was going with that is there's either a kindness in the character in the actor's eyes mm-hmm. that can't be 
I mean, I'm sure it can acting, right? You, you acting. learn to control, you learn to control everything, including your, your eyes. But I mean, as you know, you know me well, my eyes cannot lie. Like, <laughs> like I can't, I don't have a poker face because of my eyes. If I'm angry, there's laser shooting See, from them. That's, that's if why I'm I, happy, that's there's how I know tears. Never to smurf you off. <laughs> right. <laughs> but where I'm saying is, um, with Dumbledore, it was in his eyes. With um, with Jonathan Winters. Jonathan Winters, it was his voice mm-hmm. and the the kindness in his voice. That is it acting? Is it genuine? I like to think that it's genuine. Mm-hmm. It's genuinely there, but it was perfect for the role of Papa Smurf. Like, like I couldn't picture. I mean, like you know, we 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 joked around that of course Azriel is the voice of Megatron as well, right? Like I couldn't picture Peter Cullen as 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 Papa Smurf, right? Could not picture like I, I couldn't picture an Optimus Prime type voice as Papa Smurf. Jonathan Winters just absolutely nailed it. I mean, to that same token as well, Clumsy Smurf as voiced by the uh, uh the late Anton Yelchin, like really brought a a more sympathetic clumsy because when you think about it in the the 80s cartoons he you know he was there for pratfalls and jokes clumsy is a much more you know not compassionate but made you feel more compassion for him through his earnestness he's clumsy but not for lack of trying and lack of heart yeah i think in this case they really played on that he's a little bit more self-aware mm-hmm. of his clumsiness and you can tell that it really impacts his um he doesn't want to be clumsy his, his yeah. feeling of, of fitting in yeah you know his he, stature in the smurf he just he just wants to be he wants to be so much more than what he is and i mean the you mentioned the whole idea of of course the smurfs being named more for their personality or for like one specific trait that as opposed to you know you know hi this is bob right narrator um, smurf <laughs> right but you know with with the way that anton yelchin um voiced him there was just something so earnest in that presentation um that came across and made clumsy smurf much more than the one note joke that he was in the cartoon Oh yeah, it made him so likable, and um, I think that was actually perfect because, like I said, he was so trying to fit in. Mm-hmm. Katy Perry, love, right? Loved her. Um, you know what? It, it, interestingly enough, um, as per IMDb, Katy Perry, as a child, did not watch the smurfs apparently growing up yeah and, and apparently it was like a, it was like a blind audition like when they listened to her voice file uh, i guess her voice audition there were no names on it so it wasn't like they were you know casting like you know yeah but she has a lot of voice cred mm-hmm. for a cartoon and you know well i mean let's let's be blunt here and let's be very very honest katie perry has a really good voice. Whether whether you like the songs or not, Katy Perry has a phenomenal voice. And obviously all that voice training goes so well in in into voice acting as well. But, you know, you, you look at that personality. 
that comes across in some of those music videos, especially some of the earlier ones too, right? And you know, there is a bubblegum pop feel to it that I think translated well to Smurfette. Like Katy Perry brought a lot of fun to that role. Mm-hmm. You know, it's interesting. Um, I was trying to look it up right before we started recording and I kind of squirrel and, and missed <laughs> Smurf. Um, did Katy Perry voice in the Trolls movie, The World Tour? Because in, no. in the back of my brain, I'm, I'm thinking that she did. No, but the, I know the main actress in, in, in Trolls was Anna Kendrick. Mm, and I and okay. I could and I could I could picture Anna Kendrick voicing Smurfette. I think that would have come across well too. That would have been a good fit. Mm-hmm. Um, that would have been a very good fit. Because I think you were absolutely right that Katy Perry has that bubblegum personality that Smurfette needed to have. That um, incredible positivity, um, very light, mm-hmm. um, spoken, and and upbeat and cheerful um I mean, she was absolutely perfect as yeah. smurfette i i also need to point out that i have to give this movie a world of kudos for the restraint that they exhibited in not forcing a Katy perry song into this like you think about it right you have arguably one of the top pop stars in the world at that time you know in this movie, you know, there's probably, you know, a lot of, I wouldn't be surprised if there was some studio, like, maybe you want to get her to do a song, but if it doesn't serve the movie, why, why shoehorn it in? You know, there were a couple of scenes that, you know, felt like they were kind of put in for, you know, to pad the time a little bit kind of thing, because it's not a long movie, but, you know, putting it in a gratuitous song scene almost makes it feel like a Katy Perry, would, would have made it feel like a Katy Perry vehicle as opposed to, you know, a nostalgia piece for a beloved 80s cartoon. With that said, I'm so grateful they did not voice cast Justin Timberlake. <laughs> <laughs> uh, true, true. But speaking of things that they probably shouldn't have done, I I, I need to put this out there because there, there were a couple of characters that were created specifically for this movie that never appeared in the 80s cartoon and that the main one of course is gutsy smurf the scottish the scottish smurf um i have questions <laughs> i have questions about gutsy smurf okay he was so funny and yes as a smurf purist and a <laughs> long time smurf fan um <laughs> card carrying member of the uh, membership club the mm-hmm. uh, fan club um the smurf village <laughs> uh fan club um i loved him i absolutely loved the I, I do wonder. it was so funny you know what it, it, he brought he brought the the laughs for sure i i think i mean there were there were a couple of jokes out clearly that were that almost felt shoehorned in because, oh, we got a Scottish Smurf now, right? Which, for the record, by the way, if that movie is made today, David Tennant is voicing Gutsy Smurf. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, without, without a doubt. Um, but that being said, uh, it just... Okay, first things first here, and I'm probably thinking way too much about this. So the Smurfs live in their own kind of world. They don't live on quote-unquote Earth kind of thing, right? So, A... Yeah, they do. They went to Manhattan. Oh, yeah, but after they went through like the, the 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 portal kind of thing, like this magical portal, right? Like Manhattan is not part of Smurf World. 
right? So how do they know what Scotland is? How do they have a Scottish Smurf? Where did he get that accent from? Why is he the only Smurf that has a Scottish accent? I have questions. Okay, but Scotland still exists in the world. Okay, if but Manhattan does. How so. many how many Smurfs went to Human World <laughs> prior to this movie? And if so, how did we get a Scottish Smurf? I have questions. Again, <laughs> they're named after their personality traits. Well, why do they just call them like Brave Smurf? Like just get Mel Gibson to come in and voice it, right? <laughs> the last, the last thing, we, which is also kind of funny, because when you think about it in Braveheart, of course, you know William Wallace, you know, puts a little blue paint on his face, so maybe we'll, right? William Wallace is a Smurf. <gasps> dun, dun, dun. We now look at Braveheart very, very, very differently <laughs> as a bunch of Smurfs wearing kilts going to fight the English. That's the Smurf we need. We need no. No, no, probably not. Uh, but I, I think all in all, like the 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 voice casting and a lot of the the the, the voices that they had in there, I mean, aside from the main ones that went to Manhattan, um, they're just in there very very briefly, right? But that's that's an incredible voice cast for a bunch of you know like you know, John Oliver is Vanity Smurf. He wasn't on screen that much, like that's. How how do you just call up like I mean yes we know that John Oliver was the voice of Zazu but how do you call these people up saying yeah I got two lines for you come on in yeah I'm not busy why not right um, let's get to the directing here <laughs> five bucks is five bucks yeah, eh if, oh god <laughs> <laughs> okay let, let, let me clarify here for, for those who don't know what goes on you know but you know before we hit record you know, Getty Lee is an absolute gem and if you go on Spotify and listen to Bob and Doug McKenzie's Great White North album there's a song on there called Take Off where Bob and Doug McKenzie Dave Thomas and Rick Moranis um, have Getty Lee on there and of course they're like oh hey Getty thanks for coming on here and Getty's like oh you know five bucks is five bucks <laughs> so yes go first of all go listen to Great White North great album you can find it on Spotify. Then go watch Strange Brew and just enjoy, you know, enjoy yourselves. But let's talk about the directing here. And it was directed by, and I'm, I really hope I pronounce his name properly here, Raha Gonell. Um, now, full respect here, because I am an editor. And Raha Gonell, and I, again, I apologize if I have butchered that name. He actually started his career as like an assistant editor and worked his way up to being an editor. He worked, he edited movies like nine months, Mrs. Doubtfire, pretty woman, but as well, as far as his directing credits go, he directed Scooby-Doo, Scooby-Doo two, never been kissed home alone three. And of course he did the Smurfs two movie. So he is a very, very good director and editor. Yay editors. But I really enjoyed the pacing of this film so director and script and cgi all hand in hand the movie didn't feel clunky at all no and a lot of work was actually put into the like even the skin tone of the mm-hmm. smurfs to make it look to make them look a little more natural as natural as you know little blue mm-hmm. alien type creatures in manhattan um could be but uh yeah, I mean, and and what's interesting too is the process of um, procuring the the rights uh, from the creator's family. Yeah, they they worked hand in hand with the, uh, you know, with with the, I guess was the, the, I guess the 
the word is escaping me, but but the people who look after the the Peo collection, like they were state. That thank you. That's which, the word I'm looking for. Which includes his family members. Um, mm-hmm. And what sold the deal was the shared vision of making this movie happen, but staying very true and honoring the original. Yeah, like, um, like so even, it was a nice balance. Even the, there's a scene where I guess. I don't know whether they're jumping out of a windowsill or they're, they're jumping out of the branch. Because in the cartoon, the Smurfs never take their hats off, mm-hmm. right? But they do in the movie because they want to use them as parachutes. But as a as a request from the estate, they only shot that scene from top down, so you don't actually see the top of the Smurfs' heads. In keeping with the you know the tradition of the Smurfs not taking off their hats, clearly this is the way. There were so many nods. You don't take to, off your helmet. <laughs> there were so many nods to the original creation or the original um, Smurf movie as well. Like even when there was that shipping box mm-hmm. um, that said Belgium. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because of course the Smurfs, you know, came from originated. But, exactly. Yeah. It was just it was lovely, um, I, and I, I think how cool is that that even though it was um, released in in. 2011. 2011. Oh my God, that was so long ago. Um, <laughs> <laughs> released in 2011. And um, I mean, it was, when did the original Smurfs come out? It had oh, to it was be in the 80s. It was in the 80s. Like, I think, no, I think early eight, earlier 80s, like more like 82, 83. Was it that early? It's possible, yeah. Huh. But I want to I want to point out something here, now, just to create a comparison. Because you go and watch the Smurfs and the CGI really holds up. Like they did a phenomenal job of blending the CGI in with the like the the real world. And that can always be a risk because sometimes uh movie animation doesn't necessarily hold up as time goes by. You watch that movie 11 years later like like we have and the Smurfs still holds up as far as CGI goes. I need to bring up another 2011 film because 2011 saw the release of Green Lantern starring Ryan Reynolds. And that movie is a CGI piece of crap. Sorry, piece of Smurf. Okay? <laughs> like, the, the CGI was horrible then in Green Lantern, and it's horrible today, right? Smurfs holds, stands the test of time. Green Lantern does it. Same amount of time. So that just goes to show the care and crafting that went into making this film. And if, if for anything you know acting script plot aside that attention to detail cannot go unapplauded they did a phenomenal job of bringing that to life oh well they had like quite a substantial um employee base i think there was like 260 mm-hmm. or 70 staff working on, of animators working on this um I mean, respect. Like, yeah. I mean, you think you have to think that that's where the majority of that one hundred and ten million dollar budget went, and the actors, to a point, to a point. Like, you know, as as good as you know, Jemma Mays, Neil Patrick Harris, and Hank Azaria are, um, you know, they're not top billing actors it's not like when we had detective pikachu since we're talking you know uh live action cgi combination 
movies based on kids' properties. You take a look at Detective Pikachu, and you got like the, one of the biggest names at the time being Ryan Reynolds as the voice of, of Pikachu, right? That that's that's a lot of money. I think Jim Carrey was also in the in the running for. Gargamel's role well, too. <laughs> speaking, speaking of Jim Carrey in yeah. Sonic and Sonic Two, right? Like, you, you know, they put a lot of money into a bigger name actor yeah. to help kind of bring the people in on their own. Neil Patrick Harris, Jim Mays, Hank Azaria, maybe not be the draw, but if the money, if the majority of the money was spent on the CGI, that is money well spent because today that movie still looks really good but i mentioned earlier that there were some things that kind of felt tossed in and i'm and i'm hit and miss on one scene and i want to throw it to you because because i'm curious your thoughts on it there was the scene where you know patrick is just looking to you know wind down a little bit so he starts to play rock band and of course like the smurfs join in they have this whole little musical number kind of thing as as a plot point as a plot point, I can see where it, where it comes into play in humanizing Patrick a little bit. But it did also feel like one of those, well, let's throw something fun in for the kids because, you know, we, we, we need a funny beat. And I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I do question how the Smurfs, being from Smurf Village and not having rock band to practice on, how they knew the song, how like mm-hmm. they they were they were grooving away to it. Yeah, like how like I do they uh, have radio? Did Gutsy bring it back when he came from Scotland? In- <laughs> Again, I have more questions. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? It was fun. It was fun, and it was again that nice little visual break where you know, yeah, I th- I think you kind of need those little moments in a kid's movie to kind of grab their attention. Yeah. And and that's, I think that's the biggest thing to take away from this, right? Don't go into a Smurfs movie expecting, you know, you know, long thought pieces that dwell into the, you know, the, the long genocidal war that Gargamel has placed upon the Smurfs. Go in just looking for some fun, a little bit of slapstick, you know, some, some, decent family type comedy and you're gonna you're gonna have a good time right it's it's that kind of movie if i can just say though and i know that we're not covering um the um follow-up movies the smurfs 2 and we'll come back to that one no but what i wanted to say though is of the smurfs and it's a trilogy but it's questionable because the third one i don't the second's definitely a sequel yeah. to it, but the third one is, is kind of standalone, yeah. Yeah, it's a bit different, but um, I think of the three, the first one is the most enjoyable. Mm-hmm. I think they do get darker, and with that said, for the first movie, just, you know, put your brain and expectations on on vacation and just enjoy. Yeah. And, you know, make some popcorn and grab your smurf blanket i know everybody has to have had one growing up in the 80s <laughs> i know i had a smurfs uh, i did not i oh well you were into transformers I was that's in okay. transformers yeah um mm-hmm. but i had a smurf sleeping bag and i had the full costume with little hat and i had my stuffed smurfs and my little plastic oh my gosh who didn't own those little plastic oh god smurfs i i mean i I may not have had the smurf blanket but i had smurfs okay everybody had smurfs Mm -hmm. and even uh you know when the movie came out mcdonald's 
had Smurf toys mm-hmm. that, uh, so everybody, every household, I am convinced, has to have had a Smurf. Some, at least one. Les Schrumpf. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, it was incredibly enjoyable for a long-term Smurf fan. It was Smurf and phenomenal. I do have to ask, okay, because, you know, you, you are a child of the 80s and this is this is your time these are, these are your saturday morning cartoons Ooh, i like that except then i realize what year it is now yeah pretty much yeah. I, I was like that sounds really nice until you really think about it and then it sounds really bad uh, but is there a cartoon from that time that you would love to see get this kind of treatment that cgi live action kind of blend that kind of you know creates this Ooh, well you already slammed gem in the uh well the, see, that was that, that wasn't live action and cgi that was no. that was just a bad idea and and even re-watching okay so here's the thing i've re-watched gem recently mm-hmm. like within the last year or two i don't know a pandemic ago um <laughs> it feels that way in lockdown re-watched gem and remember i said to you i'm like i don't know i don't see the draw. Right. However, rewatching the original Smurf cartoons, as many as I can find, um, with our boys, and then watching this movie, it has never failed. It 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 was wonderful then. Mm-hmm. It's wonderful now on the rewatch. You know, so many years <laughs> later, um, there's just something magical about the Smurfs, and you know, something so light about. Um, suspending you know disbelief and yeah you know like um yeah so uh i i would say maybe gem would be um a good it would be a good option josie and the pussycats was an excellent i love josie and the pussycats um so that's um you know that was an animated uh comic book property a a spinoff of archie yeah um the flintstones was fun was it though (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> I, I will say I, I, I am geeking out a little bit because, you know, I you know, I saw that, you know, there's a director tied to a ROM Space Night movie coming up. And that's all kind of part and parcel with the fact that they're kind of building this, for lack of a better term, Hasbro-verse of movies, um, of which Micronauts is going to be a part of that. So I'm hoping that Mask gets a live action film made now mask was and i'm trying to remember the exact uh acronym it was a mobile armored strike command and yes i recognize that mask is spelled with a k but it's the 80s so to hell with it to smurf with it um so if they put mask in a a hasbro verse series of films which would also include gi joe and transformers and micronauts and rom rom need a rom movie I need to have a rom movie. It's got to happen. I want a Shira movie. A she, I could see a Shira movie, but the question is, who do you cast in it? Vanna Lynch as Shira. I don't hate that. Yes, I really don't hate that at all. Okay, Luna so, Lovegood <laughs> as Shira. I, I, I could easily see her as she. That that would be okay. Dear Ivana Lynch, <laughs> please be Shira. Just make it happen. Live action, Shira movie, Ivana Lynch. Like, 
you realize I'm going to tag her on this, right? Like I, this, this needs to happen now. Do it. We're totally going to do this. Oh yeah. Ivana Lynch, you have, you have our vote for whatever that matters, which is probably not a Smurf chance in hell um, or a chance in Smurf, whatever the case. Not a Smurf chance in Smurf village. Our, our vote means nothing, but we approve of you being She-Ra. <laughs> Although I, I could also see Melissa Benoist, who was Supergirl in the Arrowverse series of shows. But no, I think I actually like your Ivana Lynch um, choice better. But it is now time. So Carrie, who is your MVP of 2011's Klistrumpf? Hmm. Um. Oh, can I have a can I have a tie? Uh, oh, are you yeah, stalling? It's, it's no, it's um. Uh, stalling. You know what? I I gotta go. I so want to give credit where credit's due. I love NPH, but Hank Azaria. You know what's funny? Hank Azaria took it, yeah. It was a tough call, though. It, 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 they were both so great. You know what's funny? I had no qualms, no hesitation, no second choice in this one. I wholeheartedly agree with you. Hank Azaria is absolutely the MVP of this film. Because, let's be honest, CGI was going to make the Smurfs look like the Smurfs, right? Um, you know... And very much like a Transformers movie, it doesn't matter who the humans are, but you had to nail the villain. And Hank Azaria absolutely brought to life an iconic 80s cartoon character. Looked like it, sounded like it, acted like it. Like it was just, movie fans need to appreciate just how good they had it when Hank Azaria was Gargamel. That's, that's, that's what I have to say about that. Okay, but can I give a side props to the writers? Mm-hmm. There was so much humor in. Oh, and self referential humor. Absolutely. Oh. Like they had, they clearly had fun with the script. They clearly had fun with the source material. And like, even like the, just the throwaway, I mean, the gutsy Scottish humor jokes aside, because I found that that got a little bit much, but even just the, the literal, the, the little like I kissed the Smurf and I liked it. Like that was okay. I had a good chuckle of that one, and I love the fact that that was the only the only reference to Katy Perry's you know music career in it. Like it was just enough. Make the one joke, leave them laughing, and so many jokes about the Smurfs as a whole, right? That just made it seem like so, you know, like what? So you were you live in these mushrooms and you deal with magic and every other word you say is smurf and it's like yep yep and yep thank you for coming to see the movie (laughs) it it was it was a smart script it was a funny script and enough jokes for the kids enough jokes for the adults which is key with kids movies these days right especially with you know uh, a nostalgia piece like this because yeah parents who grew up watching the smurfs want to be able to share their childhood with their children this is the perfect movie for it all right that is it for this episode of it's not that bad thank you so much for listening let us know if you agree or disagree with the smurfs being not that bad carrie thank you so much for this i am looking forward to our next episode until next time take care
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.